Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 15 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I run Strength Guild, uh, Lift for Hope, USSF. I'm also a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. This is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm an exercise physiologist, instructor for Globe University, and do my own business for extreme human performance and training and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of par for the course, isn't it? I mean, in our industry... On the, on the bloopers last week, by the way, Dr. Nelson, I don't know if you heard him, but you're saying, oh, yeah, that lawn, he's so lazy, he's never doing anything. But you know what? Listen to you hypocrites. I do this, and I run that, and I own this, and I own that. So I don't want to hear that yeah. from you guys. Every, it, it's just the nature of the field, what, you know. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have a ton of mail this week. Um, this might be uh, uh, re- Related to some Facebook ads that we are running for Iron Radio. So during the month of September, I ran some ads. And, you know, they give you how many, like 30,000 people saw the ad and this and that. So, so we got some new listeners, I think. And uh, maybe that's where uh, the additional mail, because for the record, everybody, we get between, oh, I don't know, two and six emails a week. And I had to actually pick the top four because I just don't think we have time to do any more. But uh, let's start with this, and you guys are going to have to get creative with some of these. These are some good questions and some nice comments. <clears throat> Strength and Muscle Sport News. This first one is from Andrew. He's from uh, right here in Ohio. I, that's all I'll say. He says, I'm a new listener to the Iron Radio podcast, and I'm loving it. You guys are packing a tremendous amount of info and experience and motivation into every episode. I really appreciate your efforts. I've been thinking about something lately that might make an interesting topic of discussion. If you were to create your own fitness competition or fitness standards, what would it look like? Now, this made me think about Phil and what you're doing sort of with your combo meets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I've always considered myself a sort of tweener. I'm 5'10 and around 210. I've always enjoyed both cardio stuff like running and lifting. After about three years of hard, dedicated work training the power lifts, I'm thinking that I'm only going to get so far with the pure strength training. Conversely, I feel I'm a lifter too thick to ever excel at uh, cardio competitions like 5Ks or triathlons, etc. I'm sort of a middle-of-the-road average Joe. All right, before I forget, uh, finish here, Andrew, at 5'10", 210, that's not average. You're awesome, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> um, finishing up. I'm curious what your ideal fitness uh, goals might be for the 70% of the population that doesn't gravitate to one extreme or the other, a sort of CrossFit done right type of thing. I guess mine might be deadlifts, bench presses, chins, followed by 5K running and biking for 10K. I think that sort of thing might fit the average guy. No specialized training equipment or coaches needed necessarily. Um, one could excel in all of these things in a reasonable amount, uh, with maybe a reasonable amount of effort, that is, three to four workouts per week. What do you think, Andrew? All right, Coach Stevens, I think you're ideally suited to this because you, you've toyed with creating hybrid meets. So what would I like call a meet for this? Yeah, your favorite, like what would might you throw in together? I would do my strength guild games. That is coming up in two weeks. Okay, well, that's... There you go. <laughs> well, this was not staged. <laughs> so um, I'll so what's it off to you. Like, this year, it changes every year. Basically, the Strength Guild Games is a combination of powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, track and field, Highland Games, and Strongman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a nice mix of all pretty much all the strength sports, and the track and field is all short distance. So, so some of the events. Been, what are some of the this particular like events? Like this year, the events are bench press max. You get three attempts. And then we always throw in one fun thing. 
Like last year, we had to do a geez, there was a three legged race one year. This year, you got to do a potato sack race for fifty meters. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> which somebody's going to eat shit on. Um, <laughs> it's clean and jerk for three max attempts. Then javelin throw. And then there's a team nine-ton squat race. So a, a team of four has to squat 18,000 pounds. Whatever team can finish it the fastest wins. Oh, uh, cool. That's day one. Then you get to sleep overnight. Then you wake up, and there's a team carry course where the team has to carry a barbell loaded 315 pounds under, around, through, and over objects. Mm. Um, a press medley. So you have 90 seconds to complete the press medley. You, pre- you will clean and press a bar, then clean and press a log, then clean and press a heavy dumbbell for as many reps as you can before the 90 seconds is done. Um, a lightweight man such as our caller would have to do a 185-pound barbell, a 200-pound log, and a 105-pound dumbbell. Oh. Uh, then there's a deadlift for reps. It's like strongman rules, so straps are allowed. 75-second time cap. Um, he would have to do 365 pounds. Mm-hmm. Then we do Scottish Hammer, three attempts for max distance. And then there's a team car push where the car, it'll be a 50-meter course. You start with the car at one end. One person pushes the car down. One person pushes the car back. Oh, like, they're fun. Until all, you know, until the car and whatever team does it the fastest. That would be the two days of events. That's so. a lot of uh, power oriented, you know, like work over time, like timed strength kinds of things. Yeah, like anything we've done, we've never ran over, like all the running is sprint. So it, it, there's no like pure endurance. It's all power events. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I enjoy that. So right. that's, that's what we do. But no, I think, I think anybody, I mean, my wife was a runner and she'll tell you, like anybody can fake a 5K. Like if I wanted to. I could probably go out and do one. It would suck, yeah. but it's yeah. 5K, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's... Yeah, what's I that, like three miles? That, yeah. Yeah, I have athletes that are more on the power side, and to keep their endurance up, that's about the max we go, is just go for a three-mile jog, you know, type of thing. Gotcha. So Yeah, a little bit more on the on the strength side as opposed to addressing just the slow, steady stuff for sure, but... Lots of variety. That's that sounds. I, I kind of want to do yeah, this. Sounds I'm, like a fun event. I'm gonna come do it. <laughs> it's a blast, man. That's a lot of fun, and it's in two teams of, or it's in teams of. So there has to be a heavyweight man, lightweight man, heavyweight woman, lightweight woman on each. Oh, team. and so, so what's lightweight? Because uh, Andrew's two ten, so under two thirty. Okay, I figured okay, it was so pretty strong high. Strong man, lightweight, yeah, right? Strong man, lightweight. And then for <laughs> right. women, it's one under one sixty five. Okay, so oh. and over one sixty five. How about you, Dr. Nelson? Because what strikes me about you is that you competed and gotten involved in so many different kinds of things, grip competitions. I mean, you're all over the place, so you must have some good ideas for something to mix up like this. Yeah. I mean, I one thing Adam Glass told me years ago, he's like, just do something you enjoy. And most likely, the things you're better at are the things you're probably going to enjoy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for me, the more screwball and asymmetric and goofy looking the lift is the better i do at it so stuff like um denny stones where there's a big ring in the front and a small ring in the back so it's a partial deadlift but it's a grip intensive plus you're rotated as you do it so it makes people like dr Stu mcgill have a heart attack looking at the lift Mm. um funny grip stuff um something else i thought of too that i think is still around if he's looking for something that's more a hybrid between them is the tactical strength challenge um used to be put on by the rkc or maybe strong first is doing it now but it's pull-ups and then a kettlebell snatch for five minutes and then a max uh, 1rm uh, deadlift and they have an elite category i think that's max pull-ups plus 25 pounds uh, the kettlebell instead of for guys instead of twenty four kg is a thirty two kg, and then uh, max deadlift again. So that's uh, I've done that a bunch of times in the past. I've did the the elite version once, only once because snatching a thirty two kilogram kettlebell for five minutes just royally sucks horribly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something like that is a little bit more. You know, you're not too far off. You're not like you know training for powerlifting and going to run a marathon. You know, but you get, you know, something that's in there a little bit more endurance-wise, that type of thing, too. So right. some ideas, and I think a lot of it just depends on, you know, what he enjoys doing and what he wants to get better at. Yeah, I just think he was <laughs> curious what we might think, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. it's funny because when I was first thinking about creating some type of hybrid, of course, I started thinking about 
my background. You know what I mean? Like, it's fun to take any one of these events and then have some judging, like, biggest back. Almost oh, like yeah. a judging appreciation or a leanest lifter. Because, of course, it's, the competition's all about strength and performance. But, you know, I'm thinking about almost like a, a Kazmaier kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, the dude was mm-hmm. flipping impressive. And, oh, yeah. You know, and I, I like to bring in some of that muscularity and stuff. I always like those best body part trophies they used to give at bodybuilding events. I don't see that so much anymore, like biggest calves, biggest back, biggest yeah. arms. You know, and it would almost be like a breather in between some of these things. Not like super strict, like, Phil, you were saying with the deadlifts, they can use straps. And you, you could have a, a group of contest organizers just loosely judge these things. You know what I mean? But it would almost be like a breather in the middle, like, you know, sick delts, yeah. bro. You know, yeah. <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, well, that makes, there's another makes one. it feel good. There's another one that I, I actually trained a guy for it this year, and he won the world at the Police and Fire Games. So he won oh, the yeah. Police and Fire Games. The toughest competitor alive is a good mix. Um, it's a 5K and then a shot put and then a 100-meter sprint, um, 100-meter swim, 20-foot rope climb. You start seated, and you can only use your arms. Oof. Um, bench press max, and then it's – max amount of pull-ups and it's done on a timer so it's a three second timer you got to pull up and then rest just hang um for each rep and then an obstacle course hmm. that was a nice mix and yeah like oh, i yeah. said i trained a guy who won won the worlds in that this year but right great so. question andrew that's it's fun to speculate like yeah, that. good stuff yeah. hey by the way uh if if i haven't said this enough uh we may use your name in emails we're only going to use your first name uh, unless told otherwise. So somebody writes in and says, please, I want to be completely anonymous. Because this happened a few weeks ago. We just gave the guy a fake name. Um, but we will not use last names or we won't get it more geographically local than state. So yeah. just just so you know. That way I don't have to chase back and forth. Hey, can we use this question? Because I've done that over the years. And I know Fortress has too. And it's a hassle. So just know that if you send us something, we may use just your first name. Uh, next up. This is from Hugh, um, and it's about our uh, article on – or our um, – listen to me. I'm so used to writing stuff. It's about our topic on uh, veganism. He says, uh, hope you guys are doing well. I love your last episode, especially chatting about equipment and the veggie diets. You guys are at your very best when you pick a topic and just riff on it. The amount of knowledge it comes across is fantastic. I thought I'd drop you a quick note about Daily Mail. And for those of you who didn't listen to that episode, uh, that was I was railing against this article um, about veggie-powered diets and a new wave of veganism and all this stuff. Anyway, uh, I thought you'd, I'd drop you a quick note. I'm from the UK, and I can say that the DM, the Daily Mail, is the most poorly regarded mainstream newspaper <laughs> over here. It has a huge online presence that's mostly grown through sensationalizing and misreporting stories to fit a narrative rather than letting the facts of the issue create the story. The level of journalism generally in Britain is fantastic, but if you're looking for a fair, balanced, and neutral take on a story, then the daily fail (laughs) is probably (laughs) worth avoiding. And then here are a few entertaining examples. So he actually sent me this thing. It's... um, from the Huffington Post, I think they're pointing, pointing fingers here at uh, fellow journalists, but the 15 most Daily Mail headlines ever, uh, most terrible maybe, it says, uh, like one example I have here, at least on the email, how a romantic candlelit dinner can give you cancer. Fantastic. <laughs> so thank you. I, I wasn't really aware of that. I just saw that article on veganism. It snuck into one of my, um, you know, my, like, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Almost like news reader type things where they send me news, uh, science news from around the world kind of thing, like what's breaking and what's in the, the articles and the popular media. So good to know. Uh, so listeners can uh, take heart, maybe take the daily fail <laughs> with a grain of salt. Next, um, number three. Um, more serious one, perhaps. Hi, my name is Ethan. I'm a former college linebacker. That is now more of a gym junkie than anything. I've been listening to your show for several months now and really enjoy the scientific nature of your discussions. I had a question for you if you have the time that would really help me construct my workouts better. 
I come from an athletic-based lifting that was geared toward explosion. So I like being strong and moving big weights. But now that I'm out of football, the aesthetic aspect is becoming more and more central to my training. My favorite way to do a lot of compound lifts is doing two sets of six, then two sets of four, and two sets of 15. It allows me to move big weight and still leave the gym with an awesome pump. As I listen to your show uh, more, however, I see that most lifters talk about lifting phases and having a bulking phase followed by a hypertrophy phase uh, is one more effective than the other. Thanks again for doing the show. You guys are awesome. Ethan. Let's just keep our order. Coach Stevens, what do you think? Mm, I think you can mix both to a point. I mean, the thing is, like, even it depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, if he's trying to peak out for a powerlifting competition, of course the volume's going to go away, you know, to a point sure. near the end. Yeah, good point. But even, like, my powerlifters were, what is this, October, were a month and a half away from a powerlifting competition, so six weeks, and they're still hitting some volume at the end. Like, they had to deadlift heavy and then hit some volume after. So, I mean, you just got to watch it. I mean, the biggest trouble I see people get in is when they try and mix a lot of high intensity with a lot of volume. Yeah. And that's just a spiral oh, <laughs> downward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, of course, when I mean, I, you can keep mixing them. But when your volume of heavy lifting, when your intensity goes way up, you need to back that volume down. So, And I don't mind doing a drop set, but don't do like. 10 heavy singles and then four drops at the 20. I mean, it's just right, right on. You're asking for trouble. Yeah. So just, just kind of balance the two. I mean, if you're mixing the two, what he's doing now sounds fine. I mean, it'll only work so long like everything else, and you're going to have to change it up a little bit. But That's good advice. Um, just watch for mixing too much of the two. Right. The same. You know, I want to chime in here real quick. Um, he says bulking phase followed by hypertrophy phase. To me, those are the same thing. Uh, and, yes, it, he says, and he says he likes to move big weight. Um, mm-hmm. That goes in there, too, for a lot of the bodybuilders, right? So um, the off-season, when you're carrying more body fat and you're feeling more replete and well-fed and, you're frankly, you're bigger, you're heavier, that's a great time to move extra weight. But like Phil said, I mean, if you want a hypertrophy, there's a volume requirement there, too. Yes. You know, and that's, so. that's another one to put on. I mean, if you look at powerlifters, look at Ed Cohn, even. It is the greatest powerlifter ever. Um, he was the biggest in the off season when he was doing volume, right. and then he'd get softer looking near meat. But you know, he was stronger. The volume, he was stronger. Mm-hmm. But you know, powerlifters are lean and and big and muscular in the off season, and then of course the volume goes drastically down. Yeah, and so they pack on as much muscle as they can, and then they peak that strength out, and they may look a little softer in this and that, but they're they're stronger. Yeah, you know, because that's what they've been practicing. So yeah, I mean, I believe in phases for sure. Me too. Um, we go through phases of a lot of volume, and I think where a lot of people mess up is just what you said. It's like, okay, it's time to cut, so they they go on this diet yeah. of not enough calories, and then jack the volume way up. And that's toning to crap. Me. Yep. Backwards. Yeah. It's like once the calories go up, jack the volume up, man. You're just it's you're telling yourself to grow. That's right. So. Yeah, and my preference is I think yeah, I agree with what Phil said. I think you can make pretty good progress on what he's doing. Uh, if he's been doing that for a while, my personal preference is to take the the two by six and the two by four leave that on one day and then move the reps of 15 to like the next day so maybe like monday he's doing you know deadlifts with you know lower weights maybe he wants to keep some explosive stuff so his you know warm-up is more like a, a power clean but not a lot of volume so you get a little bit of the explosive work in and then move to a deadlift or squat or something like that and then the next day, I call it kind of the, the dude bra hypertrophy day. Mm-hmm. You can just do like an upper or lower split where you're doing, you know, 12, 15 reps more, you know, dumbbell bench press or isolation type stuff. Um, I just find that people in general will have one of those that they can recover from faster. Mm-hmm. Usually the bodybuilding stuff they can recover from a little bit faster. And I've just seen that that kind of you know, speeds their recovery actually without kind of digging a bigger hole. Because mm-hmm. kind of what Phil said, if you're really, really pushing the strength and then you're really pushing the volume and then you're trying to push both of those in the same session, mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of burn yourself out pretty fast over time. Yeah. I like what you said about recovery. I mean, I, uh, in fact, it's, as we talk about our life on the show, it was a year or two ago, I was really into undulating periodization, which is mm-hmm. kind of what, yeah. what you're saying, you know. So yep. the, what I like about it is on your heavy low rep days, 
you're not really draining glycogen stores and fuel stores and all that. Yeah. Um, on your higher rep you know, hypertrophy days, you are burning through your glycogen, but the weights are lower, the intensity mm-hmm. is lower, so you're giving your joints a rest. Yeah. So, you know, on the heavy days, you're giving the glycogen stores and the fuel stores a chance to rebuild maybe a little, and the opposite <laughs> is you're giving your joints a rest. And so I love that. You don't have to do 8, 12 weeks of strength and then mm-hmm. 8 weeks of hypertrophy. You can do it session to session or or 2 weeks of one, 2 weeks of the other. There's lots of ways, I think, to mix this up and keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, Phil, if, if it's the same thing every time, that's only going to work for so long. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and my thought process too, kind of, you know, you can take this to extreme if you do like Russian block periodization or whatever. But I always, when I talk to clients, they, I ask them, okay, what is your goal? And then in my head, I'm translating goal is what adaptation do I want to get? And even when I write the program on a per day basis, if it works. Um, I'll kind of say, okay, Monday, their goal is strength. So if I had my bias, I would have that day be all strength stuff. So I'm going to take their body, the organism, I'm going to drive it all towards strength. Maybe 24, 48 hours. Now they want a little bit of hypertrophy because that works better with their goals. So I'm going to take one day and kind of you know drive everything towards hypertrophy. So you're not really pulling it two different directions granted those two are, are very similar compared to you know max strength versus running a marathon um but um yeah just a different way of doing it sure yeah, there's there's a ton of different ways i mean so yeah okay i have one more uh, and then we're going to get to the topic everybody um our topic is humorous we're going to do jokes lifter jokes so uh we've had a- <laughs> it should be humorous i already have a favorite <laughs> oh man no pun intended okay this last one uh, was through Fortress um, Iron Radio. Cold showers and their benefits. This is from Paul. And Paul, you know who you are. Uh, Lately, I have heard anecdotal praise of cold showers and their benefits. Most sources reference various quote-unquote studies claiming benefits like improved circulation, strengthening the immunity, uh, relieving depression, etc., I have heard the potential benefits from enough sources, including Iron Radio, that I don't need to be sold as much as I need the specifics. Uh, The Iron Radio listener in me has questions about these studies and their conditions. I hate to think I'm torturing myself with cold showers uh, only for it to be moot. So here are some questions. I appreciate the time and you guys addressing this. Feel free to bring it up on air. And then he, he leaves some messages. Lonnie, I hope your elbow's doing well. Phil, congrats on the newest addition to your family. Um, Thank you. And then he says, my wife popped out our second unit. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Around the same time as yours. Um, hope the recovery's still going well. I love the Mastiffs. Uh, makes me miss mine. Thank you. I do love your yeah, Mastiffs. Everything's going good here. The rescue dogs. dogs. It's very noble. If anybody's too. looking mm-hmm. for a mastiff, I'll use this as a shameless uh, little uh, advertisement here. We we foster mastiffs. That's why I have so many. So reach out to me. I work with two different uh, fosters, and you can get a good dog. So I love your pooches. Yeah, and then he told Rob that he missed him heaven on the show. And anyway, so here are the questions, uh, Doctor Nelson. Let me throw this these out to you. Uh, I don't want to make you our resident rehab dude, you know. And <laughs> yeah, but, no worries. <laughs> uh, how cold does the water need to be, and how long does the shower need to be? What yeah, do you think? it depends on kind of how I look at it, what they're trying to target. Um, so I did an article on brown adipose tissue for Stack Magazine. They can just probably oh, yeah. search my name and article, it'll pop up. Um, so as listeners are familiar, brown adipose tissue is fat that actually burns a fair amount of calories. And does a process of called feudal cycling. And in essence, instead of producing ATP, it's actually producing more heat. So they used to think that this was you know, irrelevant. No one worried about it other than just in infants and different mm-hmm. uh, animals, especially hibernating animals. Uh, but now they found that humans actually have a fair amount of it. Um, it's pretty debatable how useful it is, though. Um, one of the best studies people can look up is called the Iceman Study. And um, the guy is known as the Iceman, so he's done all these super long, cold exposures. And it so happened that he has an identical uh, twin brother who did not do a lot of that cold exposure training. Um, So they compared him in the study, and they found more similarities and differences, actually, which was kind of interesting. 
Um, so there's some literature to show that cold showers can burn, you know, maybe like 100 calories. Um, if you look at like the cold water immersion studies for, you know, stimulating brown adipose tissue and things of that nature, um, most of the stuff that I've seen seems to be a little bit too extreme. Yeah. Um, yeah. That people are like, well, I put ice cubes in there and I sat in there. It's like, well, you can freeze your skin too. Um, so if, if I were going to do it, I actually have it on my little list of experiments at one point to do. Um, I would use it doing uh, like a bathtub so that way I can control how much my body is exposed. And then I would actually just do it super gradual. So just get in and just have it literally be initially a few degrees cooler than what you would normally be in. And then over time, just sort of walk the temperature down. Because um, mm-hmm. in the research, if you look at it, it also depends upon um, if you're shivering or not shivering. So if yes. you look at non-shivering, uh, that's actually a higher use of fat as a fuel, um, but you burn less calories. So once you get to the point where you're shivering, that's actually more of a glycogen-dependent phenomenon, but you burn more calories at that point, and it just feels a lot worse. Awesome. Yeah, you're <laughs> answering a lot of these questions because I was thinking that too because he said, is a bath more realistic? And I used to think yeah. about uh, even just uh, getting in a cold swimming pool. Um, yeah. for, and I would do it for glycogen depletion, right, because I would let myself shiver like what you were saying. Uh, but yeah. if we get away from fat loss, and if he's asking more about blood flow and that sort of thing, I can tell you this, and this might piss off a lot of athletic trainers, but the literature <laughs> on just like icing something or just cold in a specific area, just cold, not hot, cold contrast, but just cold, it's very spotty on, yeah, how, not very good. Yeah, on how beneficial that might be for uh soreness and uh, or a, like injury repair maybe is more accurate so if you are talking about blood flow uh i would just say don't do this don't punish yourself badly like you said a little more mild but do some like pretty cold shower and then go to a pretty hot shower and if you've got one of those showers that come off you know it's the the shower head comes off maybe you could put it right on a particular like just your chest if your chest is rock you know go hot for a while and cold for a while I don't have any specifics about what temperature is best because, frankly, the literature on contrast, whether it's contrast baths or showers, it's a, it's pretty spotty. And, you know, like you said, Dr. Null, it's for, and for what? You know, yeah. if you're trying to jack your metabolism a little, encourage fat loss or calorie burning, well, you know, a 10-minute shower is not going to be enough. You know, that's no. that's why, I like, just if you can find a pool that's fairly indoor pool in the winter, of course, if you're in the – great white north like mike and i are <laughs> then Get yeah the horse trough. you know yeah you got to be in there for a while um if you're going to add up any amount of calories i can tell you this uh there is a researcher i think we had her on the show years ago yeah uh El- one that was looking at that i think right yeah ellen glickman she's uh at kent state here and she she's a environmental physiologist and so she gets grants from the military to feed people different thermogenic herbs and this and that to see if they can maintain their core temperature. And she puts them, like you said, Mike, in ice water. And I mean like yeah. it's like sitting in a giant cup of Coke. There's ice on the surface of the water. They're floating. <laughs> you know, you got a rectal probe up your backside. You know, it's just – it's you're shivering. Uh, and then she, you got a mouthpiece in because she's, you know, trying to get at the your respiratory exchange ratio. Yeah, and the calories and everything. And – um uh, she tried to get me and a couple of my buddies because we were very heavily built at the time. She she said, "I think you have different, you know, insulatory um, aspects than the average person. You know, you're mm. very meaty. You're more internal surface area. You know." And she kept trying to get us to do this, and I said, "You know, I'm that doesn't look exciting to me at all." Um, <laughs> but it, it sealed her fate, I think. When I, I swung by to watch it once, and she had this thin little guy, Ed, and oh, um, no. bright guy. I love him to death. He, he, I, I don't know what happened to him. He's almost certainly a professor somewhere now. And he's in there, and I see him. He's just, like, blue. And there, you, know, you could, like, play with the ice <laughs> on the surface of the water. So he's sitting in this, like, you know, giant cup of ice water, so to speak. It's, he, they were using the underwater weighing tank. And um, Freezing his butt off, shivering. He's got the rectal probe up his backside, you know, and he's, he's trying to be a good little subject. And then the, she, the the herb that they were looking at, at the time was raw capsaicin powder. Oh, God. And then obviously he didn't hold that down. So he throws up in the mouthpiece and over the surface of the water. And I'm like, are you flipping serious? No, I'm not going to do this. Anyway, so it's hard to get at some of this. But 
as a lead, you might look into environmental physiology when you do your searches, uh, Paul, just because uh, that's what those crazy guys do. You know, and they, they mix sometimes they mix in sleep deprivation with all that, if you can even believe that. So uh, so he th- the last question would be optimal frequency, because we've addressed some of these. Uh, if you want to jack your metabolism, you'd have to have you'd have to build toward duration and frequency, I would think. Like I said, I don't think five or ten minutes is going to yeah. do this. But for blood flow, I'd think um, ten minutes either systemically or if you're focusing on a body part, you know, back and forth, maybe. I don't know. How long does it take, Mike, for blood flow to really change? I'm thinking maybe three to five minutes on hot and then three to five on cold. Or can you do it shorter than that? Yeah, it's most of the literature usually is like two to three minutes. It's okay. pretty short. But even in those studies, it's like, you know, from a mechanistic standpoint, it's hard to get direct measures of blood flow then, right? Because you've got water going over what you're trying to measure the whole time. So yeah. that makes those studies from a mechanistic standpoint kind of a bugger. Right. Phil, do you have any experience at all with hot, cold contrast or just cold? Yeah, yeah, I've done some. I mean, the the problem is, the problem I see with it is, if you're actually like trying to affect muscle tissue, you're going to have to like stay in that cold water to for a long time. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're looking to get past that just outer layer of skin, right, get it and, deep. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's my problem with it. But I mean, man, I, I don't know. I mean, even if it's placebo effect i mean i there's some people that have get benefit out of it i mean i tried it for a while and all i did was get really cold and really hot and um, yeah so i mean like you said the literature and my practical data on it have not panned out that well um so yeah so i don't want i don't want paul to think that we're so super sold on it i just think it's a nice way to jump start like if and again back to the maybe it's the placebo thing but proactively trying to recover is something that most athletes just don't do. Yes. And to me, it's just one of those tools like with massage or stretching, uh, you know, and then the contrast baths or it's just one more thing that at least you're trying to proactively or take a nap or have a snack. Mm -hmm. A lot of athletes just don't proactively recover. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, um, my friend, Dr. Rhonda Patrick has done a fair amount of presentations. People can find her on the web on the use of saunas for possibly recovery and there's some very interesting little bit of human mostly mouse data um, showing that if you use a sauna after like an injury that you may recover faster and you may have a little bit less uh, atrophy also so going to the other extreme right so instead of going too cold possibly going too hot because you're Mm. going away from where your human body likes to function you know that becomes another type (laughs) of stressor and there's some pretty good data to show that there may be some benefits with that too. See, Isn't that I can, interesting? I can go on the sauna thing easier just because. Yeah, me too. You're also the whole environment is extremely hot. You're, I mean, you're you're breathing it in. You're doing. I mean, there's a better chance for your core temperature, your whole body to yeah, raise it will go up a degree or two deep. Yeah, you know? yeah, like deep. Where core, I mean, yeah. if you told me you were going to walk into a, a huge freezer that was like negative forty eight <laughs> degrees and breathe in there for ten minutes, I, yeah, okay. Now we're getting somewhere, but who has access to that? You know, yeah, yeah. just be dropped at the Arctic, you know, and yeah, right. you're going to start burning some calories. That's proven. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. Um, okay. Yeah, and they have those cryo lockers and stuff. Yeah. There's actually one here now in Minnesota, which is kind of funny because how cold it is in the winter. Yeah. Um, but they kind of blast the air with like nitrogen, and they try to get just the skin temperature really low. Hmm. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but uh, what's that the purpose? More of a neural mechanism of how that works. Is that recovery kind of thing? What's it for? I don't know. It's built <laughs> as everything now, yes, right? Recovery, okay. fat loss, blah blah blah. But oh, okay. the only stuff I've looked up that seems to have a plausible mechanism is possibly feeling better, maybe some sort of neurologic quote unquote recovery. Um, because your body will dump a bunch of norepinephrine because you've just skin has been hit with a bunch of cold, um, but it's okay. not so much uh, cold enough to decrease your core temperature or anything like that. Um, so there may be some interesting neural mechanisms on that, but who knows? Um, I looked at doing it, but it's kind of spendy, which oh. is kind of the big downside. I think it was like 30 40 bucks a whack or something like that. You know, let me offer one last thing, just so nobody confuses it. A long time ago on the show, I don't even know when, I'd have to look myself, I mentioned some studies where they were using um, 
like a ball of ice on the end of a stick, you know, and massaging just the muscle belly. And they were doing this, mm-hmm. like football players were doing this on the sidelines. And apparently there was some data that suggested enhanced performance. Like if you were starting to overheat, getting deep cooling, I mean, really jamming it down and mushing into the muscle belly, not necessarily the joints and the tendons, could affect the chemistry of the muscle in such a way that they could produce more force and energy and something to do with the the optimal temperature for chemical reactions and that sort of thing. Um, I find that sort of hard to actually apply, though, because, I mean, gosh, if you get your tendons and joints cold, I think you're just setting yourself up for injury if you're going to go out for a max effort, you know, but... So they've been playing with temperature stuff a lot. And, in fact, we did mention on the show at one point, I think, last year, something about lifting in the garage uh, in the cold, yeah. uh, in a cold garage. So all kinds of things with this. And I I don't know. I, I think it goes back to what everybody said. Be as practical as you can. You know, make the cold as cold as you can stand it. Make the warm, warm enough that you don't burn yourself uh, and experiment with it. But I, I just like the proactivity of it all. Yeah, and I think there was a <clears throat> more recent study that everyone was losing their mind about showing that uh, cold exposure to local areas may actually impede recovery or hypertrophy. I can't remember what it was. Um, so that I always wonder sometimes, too, with I think active recovery is good, but at what point does active recovery mess with the adaptation you're trying to get? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if you talk to Cal Deeds, he'll say that in the off-season – they don't use a lot of recovery strategies. I mean, obviously, eat, sleep, you know, things like that. Um, but he yep. said in season, they use them a lot more because they're trying to basically maintain and prevent a loss of performance over the season. Where off season, they really want to get the highest level of adaptation. And if they have to take, you know, a day or two more in order to do that, they can. Where in season, you've got games, you've got to perform and that type of thing. So right. something to think about. Uh, yeah, I've seen that too, with cold possibly interfering with some of the healing mechanisms. And right. we, we've heard about, like, uh, you and I have seen research, NSAIDs, of course. Yeah, NSAIDs, yeah, the pharmacological route. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you're messing with the process, and then that kind of brings the naturalists out. And, hey, maybe we, we need this to go <laughs> through a certain f- set of phases here, you know. Okay, cool stuff. Let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to tell some lifter jokes. Let's see what if you guys have heard these before. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and Protein, uh, there's a new development on the right side of the page. You can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for sixty nine US dollars. So that's thirty one percent off the ninety nine ninety five uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. Sixty nine dollars. I think that's gonna drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people and you can even rent it uh, lower down the page they have 180 day rentals and one year rentals so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information so thanks hi this is dr lonnie lowry and on behalf of phil and rob i'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi, listeners. This is Rob Fortress-Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, 
we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Every week, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in, $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Hi, everybody. We're back, and we're going to have kind of a humorous uh, topic for the day. It's all going to be uh, like jokes or that, that revolve around strength sports and bodybuilding and things like that. So, you know, I've, we've, we've got a long list here, and I've got a few favorites. I'm sure everybody else does, but uh, I don't know. You want to start it out, Lonnie? You know, yeah, let me offer some of the bodybuilding ones. I'll try to stick to the more bodybuilding ones. The first one is just funny. Some of these are just one-liners. The first one says, life is short and hard like Franco Colombo. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm t- uh, uh, I was gravitated right towards a bodybuilder one too. Oh. We looked at the list and this one just cracked me up. What do you call a bodybuilder with big balls? A beginner. <laughs> <laughs> me too, dude. That is so funny. Insider joke, right, for the users out there. <laughs> oh oh my god, a beginner. Uh, oh my here's god. A good one. I use Celtech. Oh man, I know, right? Uh, it's like a old, joke. Old. Oh, oh. Uh, this no next sponsorship from them on our show. Ever. No, no. I think we lost any muscle tech sponsorship long ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, how many muscle heads does it take to change a light bulb? It takes three. One to change it, and two others to stand around saying, "Your shoulders are sick, bro." <laughs> also entertaining. Oh man. What else oh, do we man. have here? What do you, what was it? Uh, you know, you've balked enough when your driver's license says, see the picture on back. Yeah, picture <laughs> continued on back. <laughs> That's classic, man. That's I funny. almost got kicked out of school today. I got caught with a six pack and two guns. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's like this one. Call 911. I'm cut. <laughs> so cheesy. Oh, that's like the. Those old ones where uh, the, the the old skits that the, the bathroom's over there and the guy's flexing and pointing, right? You know, asking <laughs> for directions. Oh god! No, you know, or in the, um, was it the first Transformer movies? He's like, I got a, I installed a disco ball, and he's like rotating yeah. his forearm, posing yeah. his biceps for the girl. Exactly. Uh, oh man! Here's one. Actually, we had a quote on Iron Radio that we were throwing around a couple of years ago similar to this. This is just a one-liner. Gravity brings me down. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and I was thinking about that made me think of the quote that we had. Uh, we we're calling ourselves the opponents of gravity or enemies of gravity or something like that. So it's funny. The female weightlifter was talking with one of her teammates about using storage. She claimed that she was going to quit using them because she was growing hair in scary places. Her friend asked her where, and she replied, on my nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't even understand that one exactly. (laughs) Uh, Growing Uh, growing nuts. uh, That's not good. Here's a one-liner. Guy walks into a bar. Guess the moron forgot to re-rack it. (laughs) I was just looking at that one. (laughs) Walks into a bar. That's funny. Oh man! 
Here's one for bulking, guys. You're just talking about bulking in the listener questions. Runners work out too long. They waste time. A friend of mine runs marathons. He always talks about this runner's high, but he has to go 26 miles for it. That's why I lift and eat. I get the same feeling from a flight of stairs. (laughs) (laughs) I've known guys like that, actually. Grabbing their knees at the, you know, flight oh, yeah. of the stairs. That's funny. I've done that. I know before my last meet, it was like I felt strong as possible, but it was like I'd get to like 10 stairs plus. And I'd be like, whew. I'd be like, where's my belt? I need a belt up. <laughs> you know, you're sitting at the bottom getting yourself hyped up. Right. Oh, I can do it. You can do it. Max steer attempt. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> what else do we have here? Here's one. I don't believe for a second that powerlifting is a sport. They pick up heavy things and put them down again. To me, that's indecision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that reminds me of the old Franco Colombo quote. His, I think his old uh, mother or grandmother said, why do you do all that bodybuilding? You're lifting weight, all those weights. You're not even getting paid to do it. You know, it's a <laughs> different perspective. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah. I honestly feel, I think the one you picked about the bodybuilder with big balls as a beginner oh that's the best (laughs) i think it might be the best one of all because (laughs) you know that was written by someone who's in the subculture oh yeah Uh, there's more vegan jokes do you serve vegan here of course how would you like them cooked yeah (laughs) you know what the the funniest vegan one i think is or the one about vegetarianism if animals aren't supposed to be eaten why are they made of meat (laughs) 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 I find that one very funny. I don't know. It's just too funny. What do you call a vegetarian that goes back to eating meat? Someone who lost their virginity? Virginity. <laughs> Where did they come up with this stuff? Oh, oh man. Mm. Uh, here's one about efficiency. It's sort of a diet joke overall. Should I cut down on meat and eat more fruits and vegetables? Answer. You must grasp the logistical efficiencies. What does a lamb eat? Grass and corn. And what are these? Vegetables. So an all-meat diet is nothing more than an efficient mechanism of delivering vegetables to your system. <laughs> that reminds me of your thing, Phil, about the meat cleanse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still need to push that. Yeah, there's your, there's your million-dollar book. Yeah. The Phil Stevens meat cleanse. Well, why don't I get constipated? No, there's so much meat coming through, it's going to push it out the other side like some <laughs> exactly. kind of extruder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sausage making. That's right. Oh, there goes my knobs there. I'm playing with my staticky knob. Okay. Let's see. We're winding down here, I think. Uh, The bodybuilder was a light eater. As soon as it was light, he started eating. I like it. (laughs) I'm going to have to put in some of those little um, audio dumb-tish kinds of things on this episode. There you go. (laughs) Why does it take a power lifter 12 weeks to make a sandwich? Because first you had to do the meat prep. Meat prep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good. That's good. It's always good we laugh at our own jokes, right? Oh, it's the best. I mean, this is the stuff (laughs) at my gym. We laugh all the time because basically we're not segregated, but much of the time, like, the more endurance based lifters are in one room and my power lifters are in another and it's just there's a big window between the two rooms. And it's just constant jabbing back and forth. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a fun time. If you can't keep it light and laugh Uh-oh. yourself. Yeah. You know? Well it's funny because it's true. You know, a lot of this stuff oh, yeah. is true. Yeah. I mean, all the jokes about me lately coming back with hip surgery and like trying to do lunges for the first time. It's like there's these hundred and forty pound people doing lunges like at 100 miles an hour, and there's me like, right, mocking one, you. <laughs> two. <laughs> so yeah, what's the matter, big man? You know, yeah. that's funny. Uh, here's one I see. Um, you know, you're bulking when you get winded just saying the words "10 kilometer run." <laughs> <laughs> Too much effort. Oh, Some of these are more silly. I think. How can a lifter go eight days without sleep? No problem. He sleeps at night. How can you lift an elephant with one hand? It's not a problem. You'll never find an elephant with one hand. Oh, no. So bad. (laughs) Uh, We're almost done here. What else we got? I I only see one more. How do you get a deconditioned lifter to lean down? Like a low rep guy. Uh, 
prescribe him diet pills, then spill them on the floor twice a day and tell him to pick them up one at a time. <laughs> I guess that's lots of reps. Forcing you to do more than three reps. <laughs> Phil, I think you yourself said if you, anything over three reps is like an endurance oh, work for you. Yeah. Uh, at least it used to be. I don't know. You've changed a little bit on that one. Uh, oh, yeah. well, that's that's all I've got. I, I know that we rifled through those a little bit. But <laughs> you know what I think I'll do is I'll uh, post this. This is sort of a collection from around the web. I'd see stuff very randomly and just kind of type it down, write it down. I'll put the file uh, either on our Facebook page or on our uh, Libsyn Source app so people can actually have this list. Like I said, some are kind of silly and almost dumb, but some of them I think are hilarious. Yeah, so. All right. I, th- that's all I've got. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. See ya. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.